The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. John Paz, and with me as always is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today? Doing wonderful today as always. It's uh, always a good day here in Knoxville, Tennessee. So many kind of crazy things going out there, but nothing really in the world of wrestling unless it's something in an empty arena, right? Oh man, yeah. I mean, it's just a it, it's it's crazy everywhere. But I mean, in, in wrestling, uh, yeah, you're right, man. People are still um, <laughs> at least WWE and AEW is still running in empty arenas. More power to them. I mean, it's crazy, crazy stuff, man. Did you see that there was a coronavirus victim, or I don't even know what, what you would say, uh, somebody in WWE had it? Did you did you happen to catch I, that? I, I certainly did. Yeah, that's that's kind of scary too. I mean, they, I know that they're doing everything in their power uh, to make sure it doesn't happen, but I don't know if there's enough anybody can do to make sure that it doesn't happen. So. Yeah, that, that's that's got to be uh, crazy. And although um, it can be fatal, I don't think it's always fatal. So that's that's the good news, I guess. If there is some, yep, absolutely. Yeah, if there is some, right, yeah. Yep. So this week, definitely want to talk all things WrestleMania 36, do a little recap, do a little uh, revision on it, see what you thought about it, and I'll kind of uh, chime in a little bit as well. But first of all, did you see both nights? Of WrestleMania. You know, I did see both nights of WrestleMania, and I've got to commend everybody. I felt for those guys um, going out there and doing what they did. <laughs> uh, a lot of times, you know, I, I've, I've done an empty arena match uh, early in my career. I don't know if we talked about that or not, but but in Los Angeles, California, I wrestled Tom Ernesto Jr., who was wrestling as the Assassin. And we did it on a Wednesday afternoon prior to TV. Um, the studio at that time or the station at that time wouldn't allow Michael Bell to just do a commercial. Uh, however it worked, I'm not sure the, the specifics on that. But uh, they, they had to have two guys in the ring wrestling. Well, Tom and I were the youngest and the dumbest and also 
Tom Ernesto Sr. was the booker and wanted me to get a hard way at the end. He really just wanted, he said he wanted to get me, wanted me to get a black eye where Tom would just hit me in the eye with 30 seconds to go and we'd carry the feed on from there. And they'd have the guys around ringside and they'd go to each guy and ask him what they thought about the match and say, hey, you have a match this Friday night. Let's talk about that. So it was 15 minutes. And uh, Tom and I go, 30 seconds left on the clock. And Tom says, you ready? Sure. And he popped me, bust me wide open, seven stitches. Nobody there to see it. Um, they were going to play it like it was uh, supposed to be happening live on a Sunday afternoon. But, of course, you take it on Wednesday, and, and they're going to play it live Sunday. So this couldn't have happened. Anything that happened on Wednesday, you know, wasn't uh, – it was supposed to happen on Sunday. But I had to come back and do TV later in, in a couple hours, so I had to tape my eye up and make sure it didn't get cut open. Of course it did. But anyway, uh, I, I understand a little bit, not not on the grand scale of WrestleMania by any means, and I was wrestling in the Olympic Auditorium in, in Los Angeles, and there at the Performance Center. I got the impression from a lot of guys that they came out, and, it, and they had done it before because we used to run box shows like that in FCW. And I'm sure they've done the same thing. Well, I'm not sure, but I would suppose they've done a lot of uh, matches at the Performance Center similar to that. Um, but right off the bat, I just want to say I, I felt for those guys, and I thought everybody did a hell of a job, especially considering the circumstances they were under. And, uh, you know, I, I I had to grade on a curve a lot of times, you know, but uh, I, I thought I thought it was uh, overall – a pretty good show, and I, I'm under, I understand a lot of people had mixed reactions. So I'm anxious to see, um, I'm anxious to see what they think about my reaction or my my uh, opinion. Yeah, definitely want to kind of go through that and kind of see what you think. But first, uh, that league in um, California with Michael Bell, what what was it? NWA Hollywood or what? what it was uh, no, I I don't think they were calling it NWA Hollywood at that time because maybe, maybe they were, but I think it was it was under the NWA. Uh, but that was in 1980. Um, I I don't know if there's a copy of that match on YouTube or not somewhere, but it's the Assassin versus Cowboy Tom. That was a cowboy. That, that wasn't mine. That was uh, again Michael Bell's. But it was, um, yeah, Michael Bell's promotion at the Olympic Auditorium, 1980. Nice, nice. Yeah. Maybe we'll break that down uh, even further, maybe in a, in a future episode. That sounds uh, some good stuff over, over there in uh, California. I don't know about good stuff. It was interesting <laughs> stuff for me at 20 years old, though. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was like a whole uh, uh, jungle opened up uh for me to go and pick all the fruit I wanted, though I'll tell you that. Nice. We'll definitely kind of uh, delve into that in the future for sure. Now, getting back to WrestleMania and getting back to WrestleMania 36. First of all, like when you first kind of put it on and you're thinking, like, man, <laughs> empty arena, there's no fans, this is WrestleMania. Were you thinking like maybe they should have changed it and postponed it to where they have a huge crowd because didn't feel like WrestleMania. No, it really didn't. It didn't feel like WrestleMania. But at the same time, I did. I, I originally felt they should postpone it and and put it off until you had a stadium, until you had a good WrestleMania-sized crowd. And the more it went on, um, and the more I, I, I thought about it as it was becoming a realization that, no, 
and if I if I do stutter a little bit or, or stumble a little bit tonight, it just, it's because this tooth is really killing me in the back. I have a toothache tonight, and I can't. I don't know why. But anyway, um, I, I thought about it, and in reality, uh, it, it's the most unique WrestleMania of all times. And there was a lot of history on the show. Excuse me, but they made history just by the fact that uh, they went ahead with the show, the biggest card of the year, the biggest show of the year anyway. And um, they pulled it off, in my opinion. And it would have been great to have a stadium full of 80,000 people there, no doubt about it. And I would have loved to have seen Drew McIntyre get his due and and, and uh, let, the, let the people erupt and get their pop. But uh, I thought it was the right call, again, after hindsight being 2020 and just going back. Because if not, how do you, how do you continue this? How do you continue the momentum with Drew and, and Brock? And I mean, you can, but I think it's one of those things that um, I can almost hear everybody sitting around the table saying, no, 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 let's, let's wait, let's wait, let's wait. And Vince going, nope, damn it, we're going to go ahead. And everybody looking around going, what? And then getting there and realizing, yeah, this is probably the best thing to do because we're in uh, times like we've never been in before. And, and it's not just the U.S., man. It's all over the world. So um, you you had, of course, you knew you were going to get views on um, – the network and how many did they get? Was it six million or or what was the total? Do you know? I don't even know. I don't even know if it's like technically official. I know they were saying their social media numbers were like in the millions and ah. actually through the roof. Okay, yeah. So I mean, in in that sense, then then they 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 got that. But uh, it was there was no. I, I don't think there was any. Um, Right way to do it, but there was certainly no wrong way to do it. I mean, well, the wrong way would have been to, to try and put people in there and, and and then have all the fingers pointing at them. But, um, yeah, I, I really – I would have loved to – I think everybody would love that, sure. That's a no-brainer. But I think they did the right thing by going ahead and having a live show, again, for people at home. And they realized everybody's at home. Uh, they can't go anywhere, so here's your audience. And they were offering the network. Uh, gave everybody a chance to see what that was about, and and kind of click around there too. So I mean, um, you know, take lemons and make lemonade, I guess. And that's what they did. I really do. I think they they everybody did a great job. And uh, the production values in WWE, even at the Performance Center, man, it's just uh, they 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 worked with what they had and they made it the best they could. And I thought it came out pretty damn good. As far as kind of them doing it in the empty arena, doing it at the Performance Center, do you think that almost comes off as not WrestleMania-esque just by having it there and doing it like that and not being in the stadium? Well, of course it does. But once again, um, you know, we're going going through a global uh, vibe with with this pandemic. It's not just uh, like, well, we're shut down here in the United States. Because if they would have thought about, I, I don't know how true this was, but I think it was mentioned on line about even flying everybody to Saudi Arabia. Do you know how much heat that would have got? I mean, that's, that wouldn't have been the right thing to do either. But it's one of those calls 
that looking back years from now, people are going to remember this WrestleMania for the fact that it wasn't a WrestleMania in the, in the traditional sense by any means. Um, but it was that special WrestleMania that those guys did for everybody watching and for themselves too, because it was definitely Drew McIntyre's moment. It was certainly Braun Strowman's moment by proxy. And uh, a few other people made it their moment. And it, it, I, I don't – certainly a lot of the inferences and a lot of the uh, just appearance of it was, was not very WrestleMania. It wasn't WrestleMania-esque at all, if you will. But Looking back on it, WrestleMania 36 will always be remembered as a WrestleMania at the Performance Center in front of absolutely no one except watching through the camera. And I thought it was very telling. A lot of the guys who came out for their entrances, uh, who were feeling it one way, and other guys would come out and feel it another way. Um, I don't think there was any right or wrong way to do it. I mean, this this is unprecedented. This was no way to to uh there was no reference point for this. And they just had to go and do the best they did, best they could. And I thought everybody did a great job. I mean, um I don't know how much better it could have turned out under under the circumstances especially. As far as like the actual like wrestling, you mentioned like the storylines and stuff like that. Do you think that there's any way that they couldn't have done it because like you said like you got Goldberg in and I'm sure it's short it's like a short-term thing but it all led to a certain point you got McIntyre and Brock leading to a certain point you think that's also it too like everything built to a crescendo how could you just say oh yeah it's not going to happen for three more months right yeah I I think that would have been a big um, uh, stick uh, contention in in the storylines and business wise and you know a lot of times, well, not everybody, but some most people or some people lose sight of the fact that WWE is a publicly traded company, and all companies are going through a rough time right now. But um, I think I think the people at the top, aka Vince, Stephanie, Hunter, and and that inner circle, are so driven. Um, and so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Believe that they're immune to anything else, that they can do anything in the world. And it takes that attitude, that can-do attitude, uh, to move forward. I think Vince and everybody in his, um, in his circle believe that they are, if anybody can do it, they can do it. And they can do it better, better than anybody else under any circumstance. And I think he may not have uh, necessarily enjoyed the uh, – he might have enjoyed the challenge, but I think he welcomed the challenge to to go ahead and pull this off. And they made it two nights so you wouldn't be sitting through um, 10 hours at the Performance Center. I mean, it was it was broken up, rightfully so, and uh, the two cinematic offerings they had – wasn't half bad either, I thought. And you know, when we get to those matches, I'll talk about that. But but mm-hmm. the thing is, I think I think that um, there there was no other way 
uh, in their head that they couldn't pull it off. I mean, I believe they, they knew going in there, they felt, they believed it, and that's 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 the huge part. You know, if you believe it, you can. If you believe you can't, either way, you're right. And they believed they could, and they did. Is there a certain type of energy, like deflation, as far as wrestling in an empty arena with no fans when you're used to WrestleMania being in front of fans? Like, is that possible? You're, like, almost, like, deflated? Their Their energy isn't quite where it could be or should be? Well, yes, I, I think so. And a lot of those guys being younger, certainly it could have been. But I th- also think they they drummed up their own energy and they drummed up um, that intensity that you needed. And, and, and again, some guys, for instance, Goldberg, uh, when the smoke was coming on the, on the stage, you don't, you don't, it, hearing it, in an empty arena, it's a hell of a lot different than hearing it when they're about to pop and, and he gets his, uh, you know, the pyro and things like that. But, you know, you, they still came out. Some played to the camera. Some played and looked around like there was an arena there, and that's cool. Others came out like it was. It was an empty arena, and they reacted accordingly. But um, I think that's part of being a pro, and that's part of understanding it. But they've, they've never had... Again, there's no reference for this. Uh, Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk in an empty arena um, in Memphis is is a reference, but it's not WrestleMania. It was only one match. Here you had a whole card. So everybody had to buckle down. Everybody had to get in that mindset and just understand this is where we're at right now. And uh, they had to go out and believe it was a WrestleMania match. And I think that's that's what they all did. They went out and... Of course, that energy from the crowd, man, it can make you, it can, it can help float you sometimes, and 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 it's it's unreal. But this was unreal in a different sense, and they they will forever be a part of history. And I think looking back again, um, there, there's going to be a lot of views, and there's going to be a lot of retakes on on this one, I believe. But but we've never gone through this. And I mean, I just heard the expression today. This was a you know 500 year flood we, that we were dealing with right now. So um, <clears throat> once in a lifetime, and they were a part of it. And I thought everybody did a hell of a job. Getting to the actual card itself, they start off the basically six and a half hours. But they, like you said, they broke it off. Night one was three hours. Night two is three and a half hours, just about. Um, Night one starts off with the kickoff match Cesaro and Drew Gulak. I don't know if you saw, did you see the um, pre-show as well, like the, um, I the did. kickoff. Okay, I did. what did you think about that match, Cesaro I, and Drew I, Gulak? I'm a huge fan of both guys. Uh, Gulak, I'm I'm so glad that that he finally connected with Daniel Bryan, and I, I'm I'm so glad to see him getting a shot to at least uh, get his name out there and uh, start working. So I was uh, I, I thought the match was good especially for a good kickoff show. And uh, did a great job, you know. It was, it was, pardon me, they didn't have enough time to necessarily go into in, into the storytelling that I know they're both capable of, of doing, but it was adequate enough to get what they needed to do. And I thought it was a very good job, very good match for the start. 
The kickoff show in general for WWE, I feel like it kind of needs maybe like a little bit of an overhaul where, I don't know, I always felt like the kickoff show just comes off as like a, a little flat. Am I am I crazy? Thinking no, that? no, no, it's because it's a kickoff show and they don't want anybody to shine out, outshine anybody else. Hmm. You're, you're there to, you're there to, to get the cameras uh, right, get, get, get the angles or get sound, get whatever you're, you're there to have action while people are getting in their seats. And I don't think there's anything that's called for or needed uh, in that event. You're not there to, to steal the show, although you can. You know, I, I think there was a, a match between Pac and uh, Austin Aries a couple of years ago that had a that held. They, they for for kickoff shows, kickoff matches. I thought they they should have been on the card, but I believe that's what that spot is. So. You know, for for what they did, for where they were, they they did a very good job. Oh yeah, that match was great, and for some reason, it's not on the DVD either, if I remember correctly, which is yeah, which is insane. Which uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now things the, don't make a lot of sense there right now. Yeah. So. Yep. Anyway, back to WrestleMania itself. Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross versus the Kabuki Warriors for the women's tag team title is up next. What did you think about this match? These four girls. Uh. Interesting, but once again, with with Oscar, um, I, okay, I I appreciate a performer who can talk all the way through the match because you're engaging throughout the match. But with nobody there, um, it was a little monotonous, a little redundant. But that's Oscar, and that, that's what I mean. She she was in in her character, in her persona the whole time. So um, I thought the wrestling was good, technically fine. Nothing wrong with it at all. Uh, and, and here you have uh, uh, Alexa and Nikki winning the titles. So, you know, that that was a good feel-good moment for them, she, again. And and Nikki's all excited and and exuberant and happy about her victory in front of, you know, no people, which is great. You know, the first match of the show, my well, second match, actually, and you're going out there and you have to get excited. You know, the, the first match of the card is is really the most important one because they set the tone for the rest of the night. So, and and the, these ladies, there's a second match. I thought they set the tone very well. Elias defeats King Corbin in the third match. Kind of felt like a little bit just of a of a throwaway. Maybe didn't need to be on there. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, the setup for the whole match was a little um, kabuki-ish, if you will. When uh, you know, I saw the angle with Corbin and uh, Elias, and he threw him off the balcony or guardrail or whatever it was. When Mario Mauro Ronaldo does his NXT announcing or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the buildup is what kind of didn't didn't really uh, interest. Yeah, no, not that it didn't interest me; it just didn't get my attention as much. And the match, you're right, it was kind of one of those things where why would I really care? I you know, I, I Corbin for all the heat he takes and you can say rightfully or not, Corbin has grown on me just because he doesn't he doesn't let the criticism get to him. He he keeps on going night after night and uh he he's working on getting better and it's evident. To me, it's evident. 
that this guy is is uh, almost in the Cena category, and I don't mean in in skill or popularity, but in the fact that nobody's going to give him a chance until they show until he shows the fans or shows those smart marks or smarks or whatever you want to call them um, that he's worthy, and he's working on that. And the only way he can work on that is just by keep going in there in these uh, in these kind of matches and making them interesting. He's having he's having a difficult time because I don't know that this was, uh, I, I, gosh, it, it it was just two guys that they haven't done a whole lot with, going in the ring, having a match, and putting the baby face over. I get it, but there was no real reason to get invested in it is is the way I was looking at it. Woman's title match for Raw. Becky Lynch defeats Shayna Baszler. What do you think about this one? <sighs> well, um, okay, watching what what WWE has been trying to do with Baszler for the last, ever since she's been there, uh, you know she's she's a cage fighter. She comes from MMA. I get get all that, um, but it, it's kind of like Ronda Rousey when she came in too. Um, it, it's good in the beginning, but then you ha- actually have to get over. And I don't know that Shayna got over. I don't know that Shayna's over. I don't know that Shayna fully grasp uh, this part of it. Um, what I mean by that is she she looks like a badass. She acts like a badass, but there's something missing, and I can't put my finger on it. Uh, you have to there, there, you have to have something else besides what she has. At Hell in a Cell, or not Hell in a Cell, I'm sorry, Elimination Chamber, she beat everybody coming out of the cage because she's a cage fighter. That's what she does. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. And uh, she bit who, – whose neck did she bite? Becky. Becky's? Yeah, yep. she bit Becky's neck. Okay, well, ah, you know, for me, I wasn't buying it. But uh, same thing here. I I like Becky because um, you can see that sparkle in Becky's eye when she comes to the ring. You know she means what she says. Baszler is, is trying to mean what she says, but it's kind of like you, you can you – can, she can go out in the MMA world and be a badass. But here in uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, you have to not only say it, but you have to have a little bit of color to it. And I don't know that she has that much color. And by color, I mean uh, something people can really look at and go, wow, that's 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 spectacular and we have to watch her. I, I don't know. I think there's something missing with her, man. Decent match, but but I just didn't. Um, I like the finish. You know, it was, it was a cool finish. I've uh, seen it before, and that was it. It was just kind of okay. Good match. We didn't didn't hate it. Yeah, I feel like she maybe the charisma. I don't know. There's something uh, not yeah. missing there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's got all the badassery moves and uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, intimidation factor but then the bell rings and I'm I'm like yeah okay I mean I guess an example would be like uh, you see somebody like Naomi you see somebody like uh or, or even Alexa and uh 
Nikki, um, you know, there are different personalities or different, uh, oh, gosh, uh, disciplines, I guess. But that you, you need to have a certain amount of uh, it factor, or I guess we can call it charisma. And I, I, I've yet to see that from Shana. So. Intercontinental Championship. Sami Zayn defeats Daniel Bryan. Thoughts? No, no. The SmackDown? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Intercontinental Championship. I'm Intercontinental. sorry. Intercontinental. Yep. IC title. Yep. Yes. Um, well, once again, uh, I like uh, both guys. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn. Uh, Sami Zayn is one of those heels that you just you, you can't help but hate. I mean, not hate, but I mean, you you like to hate him because he's he's so obnoxious and he does it so well. Um, and I thought they did a great um, great job of of keeping him good and keeping Brian good too. So, um, I mean, I I don't remember everything about the match. I just remember how I felt about the match, and uh, I thought it was a very good match. Triple threat ladder match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Morrison defeats Kofi Kingston and Jimmy Uso. What do you think about this? I'm always kind of skeptical of, of some of these ladder matches. Well, this to me just solidified John Morrison as one of the greats. Um, I'm, I'm going to go up to this point. Uh, uh, he's, he's one of the greats of all time coming down because it, a lot of that stuff, I'm sure, uh, they all came up with, but to be able to pull it off, uh, I, I I thought it was spectacular. I thought the finish was spectacular, and uh, even with no people in there, so I I I, I thought these guys uh, held. You had Kofi uh, and was it Jimmy mm-hmm. in there with yeah. him? Okay, so so Jimmy Uso, Kofi, and John Morrison. Um, none of those guys have a care or, or fear when they're in the ring. And, uh, but, but Morrison in particular has been, I think he's been great ever since I've seen him. I don't know that I've, uh, ever been disappointed in one of his matches, but, uh, the finish, I think where they were all three fighting and, and Morrison finally gets it after they, they take the gimmick off the, uh, cable, you know, it, it was, it was, Pretty cool, and um, I thought it exceeded expectations. Exceeded my expectations, that's for sure. You think it's crazy to do a ladder match with nobody there? Well, it is uh, in in one sense, but at the same time, um, you're right. You know, the bumps hurt a lot more when nobody's there. <laughs> they really right, do. I right. mean, whether whether you just feel it uh, less because there's 50,000, 60,000 people cheering. Either way, but I, that's why I give these guys even more kudos and uh, congratulations because they went out with nobody in the in the audience and went out and took the bumps. And and you could hear it when they, they hit the ladder. You could hear it, you know, from the mic uh, uh, microphones at ringside if there was a crowd there, but there wasn't, and you could hear everything going on. So I'd give it to them. Not being able to uh, talk in the ring like they could, like they, like you could if you're in a, in a stadium. 
uh, to be just going out there and, and doing the match. But yeah, I, I certainly would think doing a ladder match in an empty arena is difficult. A lot more difficult than it was um, with a crowd, that's for sure, I would think. Kevin Owens defeats Seth Rollins. What are your thoughts on this match? Uh, I think Kevin um, coming off the WrestleMania sign was uh, a cool thing. Uh, that That's another one of those deals. The bumps probably hurt a lot worse when there's nobody in there and you're coming off onto a table. Uh, decent match. Um, but it was... I, I, it, it was a Seth Rollins Kevin Owens match, and two great performers going to work great together. That WrestleMania moment of coming off the sign onto the uh, table, and uh, that was it. I mean, quite, quite honestly, you know, when Seth came out, um, he came out like there was a crowd, and you know that's fine. Uh, then it kind of got in the ring, and it, and and it reminded me almost of a, of a match um, that you would have during practice, that you would do a really great match during practice, and and that's what I was looking at it as. And uh, so, but 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 it was very good, and I thought they did their WrestleMania moment, had their WrestleMania moment, WrestleMania spot. I was happy with it. Do you think this is kind of? Uh, bad for Rollins of last year. He beats Brock Lesnar straight up at Mania. Then SummerSlam, they made it. Then he beats Brock again. Now this year, he's kind of just thrown on the undercard of Mania. Is this not a good sign for Rollins, or is just this is just the way the business is? Uh, well, you know, I I uh, I talked to very few people over there right now, and um. I try not to ask too many personal questions about things like that, but I get the I get the impression that that it's just business is is taking off the way it's taking off right now because um, they're trying to figure out where to place a guy who's been there. How long has Seth been there? Seven years now. Mm-hmm. At least, yeah, right. At least, at least seven 13, years. So, I mean, twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's been there in that top spot for a while, and uh, you know, what goes up must come down. And he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's done some stuff with Lesnar. He's had his run, you know. So now uh, it's his turn, I think, to give back, and that could be the way they're looking at it. Uh, but just from my overall feeling of it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on that everybody's just trying to figure out what to do with, you know, not just, not just the fact that house shows really weren't all that great going into WrestleMania, going into this uh, pandemic we find ourselves in. I just think the business overall has been soft for the last couple of years because there's not, man, there's a lot of wrestling out there to watch. And sometimes, you know, I wish we could reinvent the wheel, but we really can't. And, um, I don't, I don't know. Vince will probably prove me wrong next year that you can reinvent wrestling. You can reinvent all this stuff, but you know, I, I, I watch a lot of old matches just to find out 
how they survived back then. And then I watch and I see something new and different. And not that you can do it the same way exactly as they did it then today, but man, you could you could find something from the old days, modernize it, and make it good, and uh, and make it your own. So Seth Rollins, he's a creative guy, uh, great worker, great look, but after you've been there so long, you know that you, you got to find a, a way to. Uh, Stay in the mix, keep offering up ideas, and with over 100 guys at the Performance Center of all shapes and sizes, and Vince or Hunter or whoever else is just looking for a new, new face, new, new, uh, uh, new gimmick, new something. You know, it, it's it's kind of hard to stay relevant. So I don't know if if that's necessarily the case with Seth Rollins. That this that it looks bad for him. It's just um, it's something that has to be right now because uh, they've done the rest of the stuff before. So now we got to figure a way to get him back. Now the next match, very very interested to get your opinion on this. Braun Strowman defeats Goldberg to become the Universal Champion. What were your thoughts on this one? Um. Well. <sighs> All right. Uh, lead, leading up to this, it was going to be uh, uh, Roman Reigns, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, well, okay, with everything going on, and Roman, very rightly so, didn't want to take a chance on, on getting sick. I mean, my gosh. So I, I don't know, and this is going to sound however it's going to sound, but I don't know how prepared uh, Goldberg actually was for this as far as he didn't have to do much. Sure as hell wasn't a long match, and he didn't do a whole lot of stuff. But um, it's, it's two guys who don't really know each other that well in the ring, whereas I think Roman Reigns has a lot more instinct uh, and a lot more natural feel when he's in there. Braun's been around for a little bit. How long has Braun been around for, actually? Um, I'd say five years, maybe, something okay. like that. So five years he's been around. Got a lot of great – he's still got potential. But uh, he, I, I, I don't know what else they could have done because you don't want to go in long, that's for sure. Goldberg's not a long match guy, and, and Braun shouldn't be forced to go a long match with a guy like Goldberg either. So uh, it was a match between two big guys who don't know how to do a whole lot except big guy stuff. And that's what they attempted to do, and it came out the way it came out. You know, I I was okay with it. I don't necessarily – I understand why they do the Goldberg entrance because that's his entrance. You know, at the Performance Center, though, it kind of came off as – Eh. You know, why do you need your security guys there? Nobody's there. Mm. I don't know. You know, uh, come out, and like I said, the, the the smoke is on the stage, and he comes out in a rage or whatever. But, I, you know, it, it, that was the one part that didn't uh, uh, grab me. Um, 
But, you know, it's Goldberg. And Braun Strowman, again, it was a good moment for him because he got his first championship, his first universal championship. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I was it, it, it was fine. I didn't, again, I didn't hate it. But I sure as hell uh, <laughs> wouldn't give it. Uh, it. It was the right amount of time with the right guys to do what they needed to do and get it over with. Don't make anybody suffer through it. Kind of what are your thought. thoughts on like, killing the finishes? Because Braun did it his finish four times. Goldberg did it three times. I know the spear isn't technically his finish, but it's basically his setup move. But it feel like finish, finish, finish. There was no actual wrestling moves. It literally was just finishers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but what, but you wouldn't want those guys to do wrestling moves because they don't really know how to, and it's going to look like they don't know how to. You expose them. So I, I didn't hate that part. That's what I'm saying. You had two big monsters giving each other finishes and kicking out until the final finish. So, I mean, I, w- I would have rather seen that and done that instead of trying to get them to even try and attempt attempt to do any spots because they can't. <laughs> they just hmm. can't. I mean, unless you have somebody in there who knows how to and knows how to lead it. And even then, you know, look what happened to Bret Hart when he wrestled Goldberg. So let's not, <laughs> let's not push it with two big guys that can really do some damage to each other. Let's keep it simple. Let's, let's have it three finishes here, four finishes there, and we'll go home. That's That would be my thinking on it. Last up, the main event of night one, the Boneyard match. The Undertaker defeats AJ Styles. What did you think of this crazy match? Well, um, it it was perfect for for what it was because here you had uh, Taker coming back as an American badass, and here's AJ, the wrestler of the century. I mean, my God. Uh, if you can't have a match with AJ Styles, <laughs> I, I say the same thing for Brad Armstrong that I'll say for AJ. If you can't have a match with AJ Styles, you need to get out of the business. And here's a perfect opportunity for Taker uh, to showcase Taker. And I, I really, I thought it was kind of cool. Um, I didn't think they were going to go out and, and have a match. Wouldn't, wasn't anticipating that. Uh. And I I really appreciated all the cinematic stuff they did. I I appreciated um, the fact that we're not going to treat it as a wrestling match because it's WrestleMania, it's WWE. Uh, we're going to protect all involved, and we're going to make it look cool as hell. And, And I thought they made it look pretty cool. Uh, not a lot of people liked it. Not not. Or let me say this: some people didn't like it. I I, I loved it. I thought it was very cool. Um, but I'm looking at it again as what it is. I'm not looking at it at it as the Undertaker versus AJ Styles. I'm coming to put an arm bar on you, and then I'm going to reverse an uh, you know ankle pick. It's not what I was looking for. Um, this was a WrestleMania moment that was going to take you away. I mean, it was just going to show you something cool. And we had druids, and we had uh, 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 pyro, and we had lighting effects, and, um, and the under the underscored music. You know, uh, look, you can say hokey all you want, 
and and I have before, but but I look at all the things that WWE and Vince McMahon does or has done. And for instance, when you had the coaches mic'd on this last XFL uh, season, you had the referees mic'd, you had the players mic'd. Um, you know, Major League Baseball is talking about doing that stuff. The NFL is talking about doing that stuff. So, you know, ever the innovator, WWE is going to find something else. And at first, people are going to say, oh, that's hokey. Oh, that's crazy. But you're showing this to a whole different generation who's going to look at it and say, hey, that's pretty cool. And I've got to, rem- I've got to remind myself of that a lot because, you know, I, I, I made – a reference to the Terry Funk Harley race match last week during a coaching seminar online. And one of my students texted me yesterday saying, boy, you really like that Terry Funk Harley race match. Is that your favorite match? And I wrote back, it's, it's the only match I can think of where they do nothing and they never stop. They do nothing but everything all at the same time. And I can only explain that when I'm watching the match with you. The same thing with this. People are going to watch this. Kids are going to watch this and say, that's cool. I want to be like that. I want to do that. And I remember growing up, you know, watching guys like Terry Funk, and I want to do what Terry Funk was doing. Then as the generation goes on, and I've done this a long time now, it's got to change. And every, you know, the world's a different place. So when I was watching this, I'm I'm trying to watch it through new fans' eyes, through younger fans' eyes, and it's not always easy to do. But in hindsight, again, you know, watching it, going, I can see where people say this is cool because they make it look cool, they make it sound cool, and um, as WWE says, they put smiles on faces, and that's that's pretty much what they did, in keeping people occupied. Uh, during this time, they had to be locked up watching WrestleMania on the network or pay-per-view. There was no other way to do it, no other way to see it. And this was, uh, I thought this was a great example of innovation. And for the new fans, I mean, I just think uh, there's somebody there who still has their pulse on what the people want. Not all the time, and it doesn't happen all the time. But I don't know how you break out of that bubble um, unless you try something new. I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, it was like an old Western or like a, like an old John Wayne where it's like, oh, he's he's out of his prime, or, or is he? Can he still do it? You know, and, you know he comes in on, on the horse, or really, you know, comes in on the motorcycle. I thought it was really cool. It was uh, probably my favorite part. Who, of, uh, who in the hell knows who John Wayne is these days. Oh boy. But that's exactly who he was. And 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 people, the kids, because I've, I've used that reference before too. John Wayne and the kid looked at me. And this is a 20-year-old kid. I said, you don't know who John Wayne is? No, I've never heard of him. Look him up. Find out some quotes. See how, see how this reputation, uh, and that's a great reference point. But, but these days, you know, it, it's so fast and so quick. Nobody knows that. But then if you go do the research, uh, you'll find out where that came from. That's a, another reason. Real quick, just get off the side road, then we'll go back on WrestleMania. But I, but I watched um, uh, a match with Dick Shikot and Strangler Lewis that was horrible for these days. 
yes, it's not one of those uh, matches that you want to watch for entertainment value. But watch what those guys did and what got them over for that time. Um, that that was a, that was my point. Primo Canero versus Jim Lundis. Nobody knows who Jim Lundis is, was, were, any of that stuff. But at one time, he was the biggest star in this business. He was Bill Dundee's size. Bill Dundee, five seven five eight. Jim Lundis was one of the biggest stars in the business. Primo Canero was a heavyweight boxer who turned wrestler. And they had him in a match... Uh, with Max Bear as a referee. Nobody knows who Max Bear is, but if you watch this match, watch what they do. It's for the, this day and age. My God, it's so archaic. It, it, it's primitive. It's 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 not worth watching, except from one spot that I saw. So that was how they did it then, and now we've emerged into what it is now. But but look at what it started out at look at, at the seeds that were planted back in the 50s even the 1940s hell let's go back to the 1930s and there's still some old film out there on youtube and just searching around and and realizing that they're selling this as a whole different product than it is today and with all the technical advances we have and and everything at our fingertips to make it so much better wwe is going to find a way and it's always been sports entertainment, whether we want to like it or not. But just now, um, it's on a grander stage, grander feel. And I thought, you're right. John Wayne, American Badass. But the kids won't know who John Wayne, the American Badass, really is unless they do research. Same thing with Jim Lundis. Again, they don't want to do research because it doesn't interest them. But you would, it would do you good to look at how this guy handled himself, look at how this guy uh, presented it and delivered his lines, delivered his message. It's the same thing. And, uh, yeah, I thought it came across great. I really did. For those fans out there that don't know, Hogan-esque level of draw, if not more. So they, they should know the history and look him up and, and get, get acquainted with him for sure. I agree. I agree 100%. Night two. Kickoff is Liv Morgan against your buddy, Natalia. Well, you know, uh, I could tell Liv was a little nervous, and uh, Natty was was the general in there for sure. And um, I, I thought they had a, a very good match uh, again. But, again, I, I think both both ladies were, were uh, hoping for – Hoping for more in the match, but but again, I, I thought it was pretty solid and a very good match, very good way to kick off the next second night. Alistair Black, Bobby Lashley. Alistair Black gets the win here. We don't really have to get into too much. It's kind of like a throwaway match, but really, the next match, Otis and Dolph Ziggler, interesting because of all the storylines involved. So that kind of is one of those things where you need, don't. You I mean you could use the crowd, but it, it almost is so soap opera esque. A crowd isn't necessarily needed, so I felt like that actually worked on on a few levels. What do you think about Otis and, and Dolph? Yeah, uh, it, it certainly was soap opera esque. Yeah, if very. You will. I mean, and, and and that's kind of what I was expecting from from that match. I, I had the feeling Mandy was going to come out, and uh, Otis was finally going to win the girl, and and I, I that was that was pretty predictable in in my my mind 
Um, well, I thought they told a good story. I thought they they uh, had a good match again, thanks to both those guys. Otis is is uh, Otis is a, is a pretty damn good worker if you if he's in there with somebody to work with too. I think. I mean, he really is for a big man. He can he can move, and uh, if he just has more opportunity to be with, be in with workers, he would be great. But I thought they they did what they had to do, told their story, and uh, did a good job. Women's championship: Bailey defeats Sasha Banks, Tamina, Naomi, Lacey Evans. What did you think about this one? This one seemed kind of like all over the place. Oh. Uh, we're talking about Lacey and who now? Bailey got the win in that oh, five. Oh, 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 versus, uh, yeah, that was the, yeah, that was the four-way, right? To, I didn't know five-way, actually. Five-way. Oh, yeah, gosh. Yeah. yeah, that was a little bit of a cluster. And uh, so I was, um, I, I, here's what I'll say about that. They did everything they could to salvage it, but uh, I, I, I think Lacey is, is, Still too green. She's getting there, but she's still green. Tamina's just coming back. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember a whole lot about that one that would make me go, "Wow, here's what we need to talk about." So I, I just remember the cluster and the stuff. Raw Tag Team Championship, we won't go into it, but uh, Street Profits defeat Angel Garza, Austin Theory. Then the next matchup was the Women's NXT Championship. Charlotte Flair defeats Rhea Ripley. What do you think about Charlotte? I like Charlotte. I do. Um, I think if – but I like Rhea Ripley, too. Uh, she She's very talented. Um, but here here's the deal. No matter where you go – if you're Charlotte Flair, you have to expect what's what's coming. Um, same thing when when David Flair wanted to wrestle. The 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 bad thing about that time was uh, Rick was still an active competitor, and David was in his shadow way too much. And Charlotte will always be. Um, <laughs> Here's a here's a uh, astounding statement for you. Charlotte will always be Rick's daughter, no matter what, and she knows it. So, is it right to keep pushing her on these things? Is it right to make her this unbeatable uh, champion? Well, yeah, if that's what they want to do, and if that's right for business, and, and it is because she is good enough, and she keeps getting better, and she does have the right attitude. And she does uh, bring off that air of something special when she steps in the ring. She looks good. She wears the robe. She wears the gear. She looks the part. And I thought Rhea looked the part in her her, uh, place in this match, too. So um, I thought they they had a very good match. Very interesting. Um, The submissions were good. And... I like Charlotte. And I, again, I don't know Rhea Ripley, but I like her in the ring. She thought she did a very good job. Last man standing, Edge defeats Randy Orton in 37 minutes, the second longest match ever in the history of WrestleMania. What did you think about this brawl? Well, I thought it was uh, – it would have been a better brawl. <laughs> it would have been a better brawl at the stadium. Uh, but it was interesting <laughs> seeing – it was interesting seeing them – go around 
the performance center and um and do what they did and again for edge coming back the way he did those guys wanted to work and i heard people say it was too long uh i don't know that it was too long i just know that they both wanted to have a match and both wanted to work so i was very um I, I thought it was a good match. I really did. And I thought Edge came back, and I thought Edge looked great. I thought Randy looked great. You didn't think it was too long at all? <sighs> no, and let me tell you why. Um, it's a last-man-standing match, and if you don't take enough time, why can't you just do that in 15 minutes, or why can't you do that in 10 minutes? Well, then Randy's not that tough. And it isn't that tough. This is this is my way of thinking, and this is maybe the logic. It takes longer to wear a guy like Randy down, so you're going to take a little longer than 10, 15 minutes. So you need to punish him that long. If that's a wrestler explanation or if that's uh, a kayfabe explanation, however you want to put it, that that's why. I know they wanted time. I know they wanted to go that amount of time because they they want to steal the show. And there were moments in there, especially when he's coming off on the bus and, and he's, he's still getting up and does the final toot de grass and and he doesn't get up. Okay, well, there was a story there because Edge is now over him and he's crying and he's sorry, but, you know, it was a, it was a battle. It, was, it, it took time to battle. It didn't take him 10 minutes to disperse. It didn't take him 15. It didn't take him 20. It took him, what, 37? Mm-hmm. So that's why. I mean, that's... That's my rationale. That's my logic. The next match wasn't really a match. It was more of like a confrontation, but they called it the Firefly, a funhouse match. The Fiend and Bray Wyatt defeats John Cena. What did you think about this wacky, <laughs> wacky, I only guess, altercation, I guess you could say? Yeah. Well, okay. When it started out and John came on stage and looked in the camera, and what did he say? Okay, guys, here we go, or something like that, or... Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, and then he took us down that road. Um, once again, I wasn't looking at this as a match at all. Uh, I looked at this as a production spectacle. Mm-hmm. And, yep. yeah, and and from a production spectacle... I thought it was great. For wrestling fans, if there are any wrestling fans out there, eh, I don't I don't think they'd get it. I don't think they'd like it. Because you have to really suspend your belief and have to know now that, that John and Bray Wyatt are actually in cahoots together to produce this show, produce this vignette or whatever it was. What a vignette. What'd you call it? Altercation, you, confrontation. Oh, yeah, it wasn't a vignette. <laughs> it was how long did they go? I think it was 13 minutes, something like that, or 10 minutes, somewhere around there. Well, yeah, but it was it was put together, and and you know the Vince Vince puppet and and the scenes from John's career, and um, it's, it's kind of like uh, I'll go I will go on these kicks again. I'm going to take a side road here. I'll go on these kicks and want to find out what was the meaning behind Space Odyssey 2001. Oh, do, you know what the, 
you know, well, it's on the internet. You know, the the meaning of the Space Odyssey 2001. You know, because it's a weird movie. And and yeah, very weird. Have, yeah. have you ever yeah. seen it from start to finish? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, that's I that's exactly kind of what I thought of this. They're taking you through John's career, is what it looked like, and when he came out playing Hogan in NWO. Uh, is that them saying John was never a heel? Well, John was a heel. You know, he first started, and here he was a heel. And then, um, you know, he transformed, and and all these things. And Bray Wyatt took him through the uh, the cap, capulet, whatever, through his uh, time in WWE and his wrestling career. Um, it wasn't. It was something for people to go. What was that? And that, that's why I think they put Titus on there at the end of it, where people go, what was that? And there's something to talk about. Same thing with Space Odyssey 2001. People go, what was that supposed to mean? Well, you interpret it however you want to interpret it. And uh, so I interpret it as, here we go. We have this Firefly Funhouse. What would Bray Wyatt do with a Firefly Funhouse match? Well, Bray Wyatt is kind of like Purple Haze, but he's different. But Purple Haze was way out, way out in the field, man. He was uh, playing by himself as a child and, and learning how to entertain himself, whatever it was. But now all of a sudden he has all these uh, designs and colors and uh, gadgets to play with, and he's going to make it whatever he wants to make it. And so you can interpret it as, this is Bray showing John his life in wrestling, or this is Bray Wyatt playing mind games with everybody in the universe of WWE, or you don't have to interpret it at all and just appreciate the production of it. Some people did, some people didn't. But I did, man. I, I, I dug it because I like endings to where people say, what was that? What they mean by that? And then they'll talk about it and say, holy Christ, that was terrible, or holy Christ, that was great. You can have both sides, and um, you'll watch it again. I'll watch it again. I'll see it because I want to see just again how they did all this stuff and uh, why they did it. But nobody's, nobody from the office will ever tell you until years later, and they're talking about it on, on uh, a documentary or something, and say, well, here's what we really had in mind for the Firefly Funhouse. But up until then um, – I think it's a good idea to give people something to think about. Some people uh, give them something to figure out, give them something to uh, ponder and consider during this time of pandemics and plagues and locusts and all this stuff going on in your, around the world today. So, yeah, I, I I dug it for what it was, and I'm not, I wasn't trying to read anything into it. Again, I was grading on a curve, knowing that these guys have no audience there. And, uh, you know, obviously they were, that, that was pre-taped, but all of it was pre-taped, what am I saying? But, but at the same time, you know, they had to go through everything, and, and it took some time, obviously. So, uh, again, I think it was just one of those things where we're going to tape this, we're going to put it out there. And I believe that was why at the end they had Titus go, I don't know what I just watched, because they knew people would be saying that. What did we just watch? They went ahead and throw it out there for you. Titus even said we didn't know what we just watched. Well, right. That was the idea. We, you going to give you something. You watch it. You interpret it. Do you know who Andy Warhol is? 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, well, okay. Well, you, I mean, you may or may not be surprised people who don't. But when he painted the Campbell soup cans, why? What about it? What was so great about that? Don't know. Don't care. It was, but but it's something people talk about. The ones who talk about, it, or or you can get a discussion about it. I, I like those kind of uh, uh, occurrences, shows, plays, vignettes, matches, spectacles, things like that. I loved it. Those Were you okay with like no bumps or anything? Not like your prototypical match you're okay with that yeah because it wasn't a match <laughs> right it wasn't a match and they did a, a couple bumps they just got down and i mean tackled him i think and started beating him up but i mean that yeah there were no real bumps I, I was okay with that i was okay because it was a show and it was it's it's i'm i'm so far past the point of even describing wwe as wrestling even though there is wrestling in it, but it's so much more. It's, it's a media company. It's not a wrestling company, and that's kind of how I, I approach it when I watch it. And um, so when we do wrestling school, I explain that this is the basics and this is your foundation, but you build on this. This isn't all. This is just a, a small part of it, and that's what people have to understand. WWE is not wrestling. It's heavy on the entertainment. It's accented entertainment. And uh, so so watching WrestleMania, I was focusing on the entertainment value of it. The wrestling matches, yeah. Okay. That's, that's good to get Cesaro and Gulak. I appreciate wrestling. I appreciate wrestling still. But once we get past that, see, they had the wrestling up front. They had those for you, and then all of a sudden they they throw a little bit of uh, 2001 in there. So now I have seen 2001, even years and years, and we're going back years uh, to the college days, and we had to watch it for film class. And the teacher at the end of it were like, "Yes, okay, what does it mean?" And he goes, "I have no idea." So right. since then, so nobody has any idea what it means. <laughs> Go to the internet, man. Search it because I did. I did. I know that's what weeks. I'm going to do. Yes, 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 yep. because the, the glass breaks in the end. You were yes. beautiful film school. That is so great. That is yeah. because it's one of my favorite uh, films that I didn't understand either, couldn't watch. I've seen it now maybe four times, five times, and, and the final uh, scenes just have always baffled me. And until and there's stuff out there on YouTube right now that will explain it, the ending, and they have different theories on it. And it's really, really great. And, and oh, that's kind of, again, that's how I, I looked at um uh, the Firefly Funhouse. I really did, where people walk away. And in the end, the movie, Stanley Kubrick said, I want people to interpret it the way they interpret it. However they interpret it is fine. There's no right, there's no wrong. And that fascinates me because you you have to have an interpretation when you put it down, when you film it. You have to have to see it one way. Okay, so this is the way right. you're seeing it. Yep. Well, they let somebody else interpret it another way. Then you get all these... All these uh, ideas thrown out there and you and you figure out this is the way hey he thinks that's the way she thinks that's the way the other guy thinks so that that's the um that's the route i took on it and then of course the main event of the evening drew mcintyre defeats brock lesnar for the wwe championship i know you said before you, you love that drew gets his moment but does it kind of stink that there's no fans there to like revel in it 
Of course. Of course it stunk. Uh, you, you would I would have loved to have seen Drew stand on the second rope, hold the title up high, and, and 80,000 fans cheering and uh, Pyro going off and having his moment. Um, but once again, uh, I think it's, it speaks volumes for the respect um, that Drew has earned not just in WWE, but especially with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman, uh, and and getting that opportunity. Because if it would have put it off another couple of months, who knows? We don't know how long this thing's going to last. I don't think it's going to last that much longer. Hell, I hope it's not going to last that much longer. But but even better, Drew made history, um, not just beating Brock, but in front of the empty arena. And um, Brock, I, I thought Brock did a, a great job for him, and it's a testament to, uh, to what he thinks of of Drew. So yeah, I, I I felt bad for all those guys not getting their due because really, as performers and and uh, having that performer's ego, you want to go out there and you and you want to have. Have an audience. You want to have a crowd. You 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 want to hear that. You want to hear some kind of feedback. And it's pretty difficult going out there on the biggest show of the year, uh, and nobody nobody sitting in the seat. So, yeah, I, I thought they I thought they told the story they needed to tell, uh, and the story was here's a guy, the first Scottish. Uh, Universal Champion, and he defeats the baddest of them all. And here we go. Now we have a guy who can defend the title on a regular basis, I guess. That's what people want. But it'll be interesting because um, Drew is a is a pretty bad guy. I mean, he, he's a, he's an intense fellow. He really is. And uh, it's it's I don't know. The only other guy who has his intensity would be Sheamus. And that might be an interesting matchup, um, Sheamus versus Drew, because it would be intense and hard-hitting, if nothing else, and uh, people would believe it. Uh, uh, yeah, I think they would have no choice but to believe it, because they would see the welts come up on these guys pretty soon after the bell rang. So, um, But it was all, I thought it was, a, a, again, a match that told the story it needed to be told, Got put the title on Drew, and uh, the other part of that is after WrestleMania, there's a party, and um, at the the staff hotel or home hotel where they have everybody up, and it's a huge, huge affair, and and everybody uh, usually goes up to the champ or or the star that night and talks and and says what a great match or or something. And and you know gets his dues there too and all that good stuff and that that didn't happen for him so there was a lot of things besides just the the matches that that were missing from the events you know the the whole week leading up to the show and, and um, access and and the autograph sessions and and the meetings and all this stuff so those guys worked under a lot of adverse conditions. Um, I'm sure a lot of them were, were, were tense and, and worried about getting sick themselves, but went ahead and 
and pushed on. So uh, the whole card, man, the whole show just just came off. I thought very very good, especially under the circumstances, and uh, they made history. So let's hope they don't have to do it again. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully not. Overall, you said you did end up liking it, right? I sure did. I really did. Nice. I think that's a great kind of stopping point going over the whole six and a half long hours of WrestleMania 36. Seems to get longer and longer every year, um, which is crazy. But I think that's a great stopping point, right? Very, I think it is, too. As far as personal appearances, obviously there's not going to be much of those going on for uh, you know the foreseeable future for you, but people can still go on Patreon. JPWA has a Patreon page. You can become a patron and support JPWA that way. You can support by picking up a T-shirt at Pro Wrestling Tees, either a JPWA T-shirt or a Dr. Tom T-shirt. Also, check out the website, jpwrestlingacademy.com. Dr. Tom, am I missing anything? Well, no, but I have been doing, uh, uh, I did two online chats on Facebook with Snake Pit Pro uh, and uh, also on our website or Facebook, uh, Jacob's Pritchard Wrestling Academy. I just did one Facebook Live, but I'm going to do another one uh, by the time we hear this. It would have already been done maybe, but but still, I'm going to go on our Facebook too and uh, have an open Q&A. Uh, AMA and things like that, but um, no, just just in this time, we're trying to uh, stay busy and uh, do what we can to help people get by too. You know, everybody's in the same boat. We're not trying to, uh, uh, you know, just stand by and do nothing. So uh, a lot of guys, Sinbo D on Snake Pit Pro, along with Jake Roberts and D'Lo Brown, have been. Uh, very helpful in, in offering some stuff to the guys who, who might not be able to go to training right now, which is most people. And uh, we're just offering suggestions, ideas, opinions. You can ask questions. We'll answer the best of our ability. And uh, as I always said, wrestling is an opinion, and that's all it really is. You, you have your way, I have my way, but the right way and the only way does not exist. So, uh, but we give you what we think, and we tell you what we think, and Hopefully, you'll be better for it. You can also follow Dr. Tom on Twitter at Dr. Tom Pritchard. You can follow me at Two Man Power Trip. And while you're kind of you know on the web or you know maybe you can't physically go to the school, definitely check out what you could do to you know still stay in shape, still work out. Maybe uh, read Dr. Tom's book, learn some stuff, and and do some training on your own, right? Yeah, yeah, it's all you can do right now. Just just stay in shape. If you have access to a ring, the best way to stay in ring shape is hit the ropes, hit the ropes, hit the ropes. If you can hit the ropes for a good two minutes, you're great. If you can hit the ropes for one minute straight, you're doing really good. So, yeah, stuff like that's always good. Right. Uh, thank you, everybody, of course, for joining us here on Taking You to School. And stay healthy, You know, wash your hands, social distance, and we will see you next week, folks. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.